Hello and welcome to St. Louis City Press and International Friendly. I'm Phil Halley. Joining me to talk about the win over Vancouver is our man from Hanoi, Chris Hoff. Still in Hanoi, still enjoying watching these games and talking about them with you guys. And there at the stadium with me, Nathan Halley. Hello. Corrections and omissions. I previously said I was going to be in Minnesota. That didn't happen. I was at the game instead. Thanks to Drew for the tickets, I think it turns out. It was weird not having Patrick and Elaine there. Yeah, that was a first. Um, but they were replaced by a, I think they were a couple. The dude was very tall and kept high-fiving me every time they scored. Never spoke to me, just high-fived me. So it kind of felt like... Basically Patrick. Could have been. Yeah, exactly. It, it wasn't as good, but it was. it filled the void enough. Didn't stand during every set piece. So that's the difference. Yeah, I thought about explaining that to him, but it was going to be their only time there. Another first, as well as Patrick not going to the game, we got a score projection right. Guys, Chris Hoff, congratulations. That's right. I've been I've been putting in the hours, been parsing the advanced statistics, and it's really paid off here. 3-1. You knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. May have been my right. score prediction for the last like month of games, but... <laughs> Finally paid off. What did you think about the game on the TV? Well, as I mentioned in the Discord chat, I became uncomfortable with the level of bias that I thought the commentators were showing uh, in sort of a pro-Vancouver dialogue that they continued to have. They just kept talking and saying nice things about Vancouver, which, you know, fine, but like it's got to be close to 50-50. This was like 70 30 complimenting Vancouver's coach, complimenting their lineups, complimenting their underlying statistics, complimenting how they were uh, controlling moments of the game, even though they lost 3-1. Come on, guys. Did they compliment their complete inability to finish just very good scoring chances? I think they did at some point. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, (laughs) great technique there or something. I don't know. There were a number of, uh, you know, that they should have scored. There was the one like breakaway on Berkey. They had a shot. There were a couple where I thought Becker, I guess it is, who is apparently a SLU graduate, number 29, um, should have been able to finish, but didn't, which is great for us. Um, They showed just a lack of ability to convert, which we benefited from. The commentators really liked Becker. I can tell you that. That makes no sense. He had, okay, maybe I don't know enough about soccer, but he had a bunch of chances and couldn't do anything with them. I would like to say this about Max Bredos, who was one of the commentators. I think his name might be Maximiliano Bredos because that's what he goes by on his social media, which is a little much, but so, okay, we are spoiled for soccer watching. I mean, this is a story, but it's going to, it's going to come together. We are spoiled for soccer watching opportunities. I watched like six hours of soccer today, German soccer, English soccer, MLS soccer, Back when I started watching in like 1999, and this is how I became a Sheffield Wednesday fan. There was one show on Fox Sports Net, and it was called the English Premier League show. And it was like a an hour show. And they'd show the first half would be a 30-minute condensed clip. Like you'd get 30 minutes of a game, and then you'd get less of the less important games. And the first time I watched that with with dad was because there was a Sheffield Wednesday game. This was the last season they were in the premier league and dad knew people in Sheffield. We watched this game and I've, you know, fell for it. And dad and I watched that show all the time. And it was hosted by this guy, Lionel Bienvenu, who I loved and still has like a cult following among soccer fans from 23 years ago. He left and was replaced by Max Brados who sucked. I haven't liked him ever since then. So it feels good in a way, 24 years later to have this validation that I was right, that he's just a, just a bad commentator. So thank you, Chris. Chris, you just vin- vindication. Yes. I'm glad to give you this opportunity uh, to release these emotions. <laughs> Maybe somebody else should watch the ga- the replay just to confirm this. It might all be in my head. I just want to pose that. I'll talk to, I'll talk to Helen noted soccer watcher. Helen was also watching from away. I think it's important for people in a little bit of behind the scenes that in the stadium, uh, we don't, we can get caught up in emotions. You, you can on TV also, but 
we basically rely on Chris to be our arbiter of like fouls, penalties, announcers also. So we we trust you implicitly. We The cards were flying that game. How many? What was, do we have a final count? There were a lot. I believe that ref on average gives 5.5 a game. Four for City, three for Vancouver. But those three uh, came late in the game, I think. Uh, there were a couple of them handed out for confronting the ref in that one. Yeah, yeah two, the, two, I think, right there. I did love that. And they might they might get penalized further uh, once the referee arbitration committee or whatever it is looks at the the surrounding of the referee, just like happened in the previous match. And yeah, they really don't like that. They don't like that. I want to see if Parker actually, presumably Parker did actually he clip the him. guy. I went back and watched that. Yeah, he got him. Okay. I, a yeah. yellow card, maybe. I don't know. Probably. You said this in Discord, Chris, and I think very astute. Stroud's yellow is just dumb. You're sitting yeah. on four, and That's then you just him. boot the ball after the whistle. Uh, he, he's been better lately, and that was a little bit of called old Stroud. Well, it was clear like the ref was not going to hold back from giving, you know, he had already given a card for time wasting at that point. Maybe I don't. Yeah. I don't remember the sequence, but my Blom received a time wasting yellow. Oh, is that what his yellow was yeah. for? I I missed yeah. that. According to the commentators, so they do serve a purpose and they they are useful in their own special moments, I suppose. How was the energy coming across on the the TV? Because in the stadium, there was a long period where I would say it was the most most low energy or I guess least high energy, least energy game that we've had so far. It was really weird. Like the crowd wasn't into it until maybe like the last five minutes when just, I think the supporters finally, I don't exactly know what triggered it, but finally like the stadium got into it, but it wasn't until then it was weird. Do we think it's because Patrick and Drew weren't there? Uh, You know, could be. Did that come across on the TV? Yeah, I guess a little bit in the first half, especially. It did seem intensely loud around the time of that third goal. Absolutely. At that point, yeah. A crazy third goal. Can we talk about that third goal? We can go in reverse order. Yes, let's spend the rest of the podcast talking about that third goal. Ostrock, man. I don't don't know why he doesn't get more minutes, actually. It's just a loaded position, isn't it? You can't really see him starting over Indy. He can't start over Indy. Uh, He probably doesn't start over Alm when Alm's fit. Uh, and it's that sort of right forward attacking player. He's played well in a more central role. Um, I, you know, I, I see him as another one of those, you know, late game rotation options, starter sometime when necessary for that front four, you know, uh, the wing midfield combo getting returns. Yeah, and, you know, I think Carnell was going with, what worked for him last week. We had the same formation two weeks in a row, I think for the first time ever, including Hebert on the back left, which was interesting. We can talk about that. But yeah, I, I don't know. Ostrock for Celio or Stroud seems like something you would consider. And it's worked two weeks in a row, right? Ostrock got on, got an assist last week too. Yeah. So Ostrock worked really hard and then just a beautiful finish by by Perez, super, super happy for him. I think that was the loudest the stadium has ever been. I mean, it was yeah. it was insane. Rightfully so. Homegrown kid. Graduated from high school like two days ago. Oh, man. I guess all three goals came as a result of Leuven putting some pressure on them. Just <laughs> putting some pressure on them. Defensive and or goalie breakdown on their part. And then us capitalizing. Like that's all three of the goals, I guess. Yeah, Leuven had a hell of a night. Yeah, um, the goalie probably should have been able to hold on to that. The, de- I mean, the defense also should have been back there and not let Ostrock make that run in. But you know, we take advantage. Yeah, Chris, what are your thoughts on that first goal? Should the goalie have caught that? It was tough. He was off of his line, and I think if he like, I don't think the thought occurred to him that 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 was one of the options on the board, uh, but. The way that the amount of curve, the swerve on that, and the fact that it was left to right across the frame of the goal, went beyond the frame of the goal, was super high. He just, like, the keeper had no, like, line of sight, really, to really judge the fluctuations of that ball, I think. He got caught off his line, and I think he makes a better play on it, maybe saves it if he's a little more thoughtful. But 
what typically happens is that ball uh, comes slightly shorter and falls right at the, at the top of the six yard box there. And somebody deflects it or nicks it on and the goalkeeper you could see from his movement he jumps to the right thinking he needs to get into the position to uh you know stop a headed shot or something and then it just keeps swerving back in uh and it looked beautiful i I can't imagine saving that myself but i you know i'd be a little bit more forgiving for him to him than than saying it was a howler of a goalkeeper error it was beautiful yeah, like it's one of those where you would hope Berkey would get it, but yeah, that was just a hell of a kick. I mean, he's he's gone for that a few times. It was just incredible, and you could see him over the course of the game get into the mind of that keeper. And yeah, the last one, you know, the third goal, we were lined up. He had four or five players lined up behind him on the field <laughs> for the set piece. Like we were not pushing and he just went at the goalie with it you know it was clear that was what he was going to do there was no other option and he did it and the goalie bobbled it and resulted in the goal he's got a shot on, he's got a, a nice free kick on him yeah so the own goal i was texting a friend of mine who said i felt bad he said no you don't feel bad in this situation but that was another case where i think leuven forced a bad play by that defender like that was a quick little uh, cross, and Stroud was there running, so he forced it. I mean, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I mean, it's pretty like, bad. It was, it was among the worst stone goals I've seen. If the defender had just let that go, they were not in danger. Stroud yeah. was not that close. No, I, right. It wasn't. It wasn't going to become a goal. I think they were thrown off by it. The goalie was poorly positioned. Like there were a lot of things that went wrong there. Yeah. yeah, both are both both are culpable. The defender, then rightly the commented commentators called him out and said, "You cannot be putting that on frame." Yeah. Whenever you're passing back, especially if it's in a case like this where it's coming through the air and and you're heading it, you can't put it on frame because that's what happens. You don't. You're not looking behind you. You don't know where the goalkeeper is. You just you got to be careful. We'll take it. Yeah, and we'll take all of them that they want to give us. There was a Vancouver goal, you know, across in. They had a lot of opportunities, frankly. Not, not great finishing. No. So I'd like to talk about someone. I think you know who I'm going to bring up here. I thought, okay, I actually want to talk about two people. But I thought Nico did not play well tonight. And I thought Celio also did not play well tonight. Like 10 minutes in or something, there was just... Uh, I want to know the XG on that chance that Nico, you know, right in front of the net got crossed in. He should have been able to put that away. Yeah. That's not even my biggest problem with him, though. He was just going down left and right. There was one time where he went down and stayed down when we had like a four man attack that could have been a five man attack. And it was it's frustrating. He he never gets the call. And you would think <laughs> that he stop. would then change what he's doing yeah because there was one time actually where he kind of got bumped in the box that he, he wouldn't have gotten he stayed call, up he stayed up <laughs> exactly that would have been the time to go down in the box yeah no, i said the same thing i'm like of all the times to stay up uh-huh uh-huh he also is not we've brought this up before he is not a fast man <laughs> it feels like there are like eight balls a game where if he had a little bit quicker first step he'd get to them i don't know Chris, how did he look on the TV? The team, Carnell must see something in him that we don't. And I'm, you know, it makes me doubt myself. He sees the rest of the roster and knows that he has no one else. Uh, Uh, So that shot was point, roughly 18% chance to score that that shot. Uh, So not as much as I thought. That's pretty high. Yeah. Now in this last game in this game, last game, maybe more so than this game, Nico was manipulating the defense and opening the space for other players to run through. Uh, so I'm going to give him, you know, like a, a pretty good, a B, a B, maybe a B. Wow. De- definitely not a B plus, but you know, a B minus B. He, there was one early on where he ran through and he took three defenders with him. And then I think Celio cut it back to, someone, I can't remember exactly what happened. And 
because Nico had made that run, which is what I was hoping that he would start to do when Klaus went out, uh, was just sort of draw people away for the late arriving midfielders to, to get the shots. He's, he's doing that more consistently. I appreciate that insight. He's going down. He's going down a lot. He's getting fouled a lot. A lot of these are small things, but they add up and they aggregate. I wish he, you know, maybe I just wish he had a, a slightly lower center of gravity. He was a little bit, uh, you know, bigger and stronger and he could battle through these. And I, I wish he had the, you know, the disposition to, to not go down more often. Uh, but I don't know. It's hard because it, you know, I think the refs just see it right away and then just don't give him calls, even when they are legit. Yeah. Especially this ref. You know, he was not inclined to give much when he thought it was embellished. But really, if he can take pressure and move defenders around and release Vasilev and, as we saw, give Lowen some some free reign, uh, then... He's doing his job, especially while Klaus is out. If he can get on the score sheet and he can do these combo plays, the one where he missed that was 18% chance to score, that was a great buildup. And him even being in that position uh, is credit to him. I, You know, you want him to score. And I guess roughly four out of five times you're going to miss anyway, though. So I appreciate that perspective. I will start to watch for the play, his play off the ball and drawing defenders. I think I'm, you know, I'm primarily only looking at him when he is getting the scoring chances. That would be something that if I believed in watching replays, I could definitely go and check out. Yeah. There's definitely room to grow in that respect for him. I would say he's not doing it every time as well as you might like. And sometimes I think he just gets a, I mean, he's played a lot of football and he's gotten banged up and I hope he can stay healthy because playing that way and being the, the target of aggression for, you know, these, defenders these professional athletes who are massive strong and just kicking at your ankles and you're going up in the air and then you're coming down he came down on his shoulder that one time it wears on you i can only imagine so from the last pod chris you made rightfully so you made a big deal about calling out hebert on the left and and so i was looking for that this game and because i was looking for it i just saw a number of times where there was like an obvious touch to make where he could have, you know, crossed it with his left foot and you see him <laughs> hesitate and like take an extra to try to get it on his right foot. It was interesting. Absolutely. There was one where he, he got the ball right at the edge of the box. And if he were any other player, he would have just laced it and, and put a shot on, but he just did not think of doing that. Maybe it was on his wrong foot, you know, and he just couldn't comprehend of the possibility of shooting in that moment. So. I think that left back experiment will end with that game for him. I think it was okay. Well, we're not going to mess up anything because it was going good from the previous game, but I think he'll be back in his standard position next game. Well, it ended with a substitution. They substituted Nelson on and put him in at left back and rotated Hebert over. I read something online that like when those substitutions were going on, we, we went to like a three, four, three. It felt like we went to like a five, four, one Blom was like, basically playing as a defender at the end there. I mean, there were a lot of times he was actually the last guy back. You know, he dropped back and then we had, you know, we substituted Perez for Celio and Perez was playing, you know, very midfield. We were just playing far back, trying to protect the lead. Maybe that's the right move. It didn't look like we did a great job of it, frankly, but I guess the results count. You know, I think John Bell probably has uh, a claim to uh, best aerial duels one rate per 90 minutes at this point we love our per 90 minutes stats <laughs> definitely definitely those are super accurate but so just as an aside i've got the seattle uh game on they're winning one nothing but they're playing a man down so it's seattle against uh new york red bulls who are another red team and seattle's in their green jerseys i can't tell these teams apart to save my life this is they gotta stop doing this sorry about that that uh, we'll we'll write another letter or strongly worded email. But did you know that Jared Stroud's brother, Peter Stroud, starts for the New York Red Bulls and they look almost exactly the same? No, oh. I had no clue. It's no. brilliant. That's delightful. Do you know if the uh, Burhalter on Vancouver is Greg Burhalter's son? I assumed. Okay. I, like, I instantly had like a mild dislike for him. But <laughs> yeah, totally get that. 
one one nice thing about the game completely nothing to do with soccer but i thought the stadium did a really nice job of the whole crowd singing oh canada it was nice really good anthem singer this week super professional oh yeah he was he was great i would look he could sing me the national anthem to bed every night and i'd be a happy person there was something else i wanted to say oh celio there was a giant fire there was a giant fire in the background of the game and then the smoke rolled into the stadium i don't know if you could pick that up on the cameras or if they commented at all there was a giant fire downtown and then towards the end of the game the smoke rolled into the stadium it was was hard to see actually from the the upper decks and it was i imagine if you had like allergies or asthma it would have been a problem it was it was something else uh loot oh i remember i was gonna say loot's rescued a bird oh yeah he did which is you know knowing his history that's on brand yeah yeah it wasn't it was just like a nothing not a special bird not a an egret or anything that again flying over did he take it home afterward it would be interesting to know what happened to the bird i I don't know maybe we don't want to know (laughs) he posted a picture of himself on twitter with the bird (laughs) Like like on the practice field so i don't something happened um maybe lutz has a pet songbird now okay uh, we'll have to we'll have to keep watch on on this um speaking of bird related things owl for city uh repost the their this weird twitter account reposted my my tattoo of the city logo where they had changed it so it had an owl instead of the the arch and river logo if anyone is familiar with St. Louis City and not familiar with the Owl for City Twitter account, you're you're missing out. If you like owls, which I do, and you like St. Louis soccer, which I do, but it's just so weird. It is, but in a good way. So they they reposted a picture of my back with the owl, and I said, "Oh, you guys are going to love this." And then I showed a picture of my arm, which has an owl tattoo on it. Which then they reposted that owl holding a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so, you know, I don't understand that, um, but I may go get. If a we can make a connection here somehow and get the owl, the person behind the owl for yeah. city, owl account for city in for an Twitter interview. account holders, please contact us. Let's let's make a relationship of some kind. Also, looking for sponsors, new sponsor owl for city. We'll sponsor Owl for City. I'll throw some money at them. I mean, I mean, let's be careful. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a lot of income quality. coming in on this podcast yet. I mean, right. in, unless you're seeing something, I'm not. No, <laughs> a lot of money going out towards <laughs> so, the stadium. Yeah, and and the podcast software we're using, which is terrible, and yet we've spent a non-trivial amount of money on it. So, new podcast sponsor Zencaster, definitely not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Definitely not a sponsor. Um, any other thoughts? I thought it was a super weird game. Like we won. And so I'm going to be drew and be like, yay, we won. But it just, I feel like it was our weirdest game of the season. I don't understand. Do we have, I hate to bring it up. Do we have the XG? Oh yeah. yeah point point nine four uh 1.2 against. Yeah. I mean, that tracks in my mind, but we've been overperforming our XG all season. And part of this, yeah overperformance is the quality of the finishing it's the uh, the press is breaking the xg metric uh, this high intensity my theory is that it just it stresses them out so we're, it's like an, a mental and psychological warfare that we're employing as well and xg obviously can't track that no i think their goalie was mentally broken after yeah. tonight i mean yeah i also i was wondering that chris that I'm I'm a big believer in advanced statistics, soccer advanced statistics. Like for baseball, it's such like a defined set of things that can happen at any one time. It feels easy to break down into statistics. Soccer is a lot harder. Um, and XG, like on the surface, I like it. But then like, is it is there something about our game that just doesn't fit in? And so it, it's not accurately tracking because at this point, I mean, it's still a smallish sample size, but, you know, we're approaching halfway through the season and it doesn't seem to be accurately um, predicted. So, okay. okay, we've well, never really me, gotten into it. But. One more. No, no, no. I want to say one more thing. So I looked it up for Sheffield Wednesday. That's actually how we got on footystats.org. And it way closer tracked what their actual scores were over the course of the season than it's tracking our scores. So 
XG is meant to capture over a large sample size of shots taken from that position, how many go in. So it is absolutely a thing where like I would expect, I don't know, I, we could look this up. Based on what we saw tonight, I would expect that Vancouver would consistently underperform their XG. And that's meaningful in that that means they are not as good at converting their chances. And we put pressure on teams in a way that forces mistakes. And that's not going to be reflected in XG, but it will be reflected in goals. And, like batting you know, average on balls in play. I Look, I'm learning about soccer. You're not going to get me to learn <laughs> about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I so there was one other thing I was I read what it reminded me of is all those doofuses early in the season who said that we'd be lucky to win four games and I don't think anyone's thinking that about us anymore like no one's thinking about us really as an expansion team or anything other than a team that can compete with anyone and has talented players and is a good team uh, it's it's amazing that you know three months later no one's thinking about that stuff anymore it's just like oh this is a this is a team you have to worry about you don't want to mess with i love that and that's why lutz is getting offers from west ham he's drawing interest and it comes from his talent identification and his you know ability to take players and make sure they're a perfect match for the coach and the system and motivate them to excel and I don't think anybody had Edward Leuven pegged as this caliber of player. And I don't think uh, in their previous situations, either Indy Vasilev or... Vasilev was on... No, he was traded for like cash, right? I mean... Yeah. Or was he one of the... And Nerwinski was unprotected. Like we got yeah. several guys that were unprotected. Yeah, it's just really good scouting. There was an interview with Klaus that was published this week and it was interesting in that basically he just had a long history with Lutz that when Lutz made the call like hey come to St. Louis Klaus was just all right I'm in immediately based on the relationship with Lutz that's awesome I have to believe there was legitimate interest from West Ham some people questioned like how serious it was I I think it was probably pretty serious I I imagine offers like that will continue to come his way. And I think we're seeing about it tonight, actually in regards to, to Blom specifically, but you have to imagine some of these players are already getting attention from primarily sides in Europe that might want to bring them over. I sadly, this is sort of the downside of being an MLS fan is that really good players are going to get swooped yeah. up and go, go to Europe. So I guess we just enjoy them while we've got them. Well, I'll tell you what I'm, like it as an expansion team as the first crop of players that played for our city i'm always going to love all of these guys and track their careers wherever they go 100 100 percent. yeah these these guys always be special for us and one of my like personal you know desires related to this squad is to see indy vasilev get a national team call up at a senior level and see him in an international fixture that would be Wonderful. I talked a lot last week about that Blom Leuven Vasilev core. Um, it wasn't as in control tonight. I don't know if Vancouver was just better at clogging up the midfield or shutting us down, but well, they were skipping the midfield a lot. Is is what was happening? Yeah, this, yeah. This guy, what was his name? Julian Gressel was the bane of our existence. Really, mm. his crossing. And the accuracy, it's what led to the goal. And he was just, I don't know, stressing me out. Good player. Yeah. I felt the same way, but there were like also probably 15 times where Blom had an amazing play. That guy's really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. So good. Yeah, defensively, we had actually a lot of, I think, impressive defensive moments where we had a couple just terrifying Parker mistakes um uncharacteristic or maybe characteristic at this point for him to just occasionally do something terrible that scares the crap out of you but a lot of our defense cleaning up got super lucky at the end of the first half too that that should have been a goal yeah back to blom statistical support for our claims here uh not only did he have one key pass in the build-up but he 
led the entire game in tackles with three, and uh, he won 13 of his duels, which I guess is good for 66%, which is the best in the game. Well, and this ref was not letting any even slightly sloppy tackles go, and Blom was making them clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pin perfect. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to be drawing attention from Europe. And I think that was like expected when we signed him, wasn't it? Like, this I, is like I a springboard so. to real top tier uh, minutes at a, a meaningful European club. Yeah. We'll enjoy it while he's here. Yeah. 3 1, another win. We go into Houston next week. I think uh, at come City to, Park. They, they Sorry. Come to us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are we in the standings? Let's see. Top of the division, but with. Uh, no, Seattle won. So we are. Oh, okay. We're second, but we got two games in hand over Seattle. Well, in LAFC, I we think have we three have. Games in hand, so. Yeah. So still, we're doing good. Yep. Got to be happy with these last two wins for sure. Tied for third in the Sporter Shield. So feels good to be back on track. Didn't like that period where we weren't scoring or winning. Last two weeks have been better. Yeah. Hopefully we keep it going. Now we just have to get through Monday, guys. I might not be able to breathe until. You want to. Let's okay. go. I, mean, I watched the Coventry Luton Town, which I guess is maybe actually even higher stakes, it, I guess. It is. I think it is the literal highest stakes uh, soccer game in existence. And it came down to. I can't even get into it. Like one person, a penalty is too much. It shouldn't uh-huh. be allowed. Just like Geneva conventions. It's too much. <laughs> that guy cost his team $200 million. I, I No person should be able, anyway. Yeah. That'll be me on Monday. All right. Go Sheffield Wednesday. Go owls. Up the owls. Um, anything you want to say ahead of that game? Your <sighs> score prediction? Uh, four nothing Sheffield Wednesday. All right. Nice. They're going to come out. They're just going to steamroll. I play this game in my head a lot, actually wondering like Sheffield Wednesday versus St. Louis City. I think they're teams of similar talent, very different styles. Sheffield Wednesday, much more free-flowing, attacking. Um, And as we mentioned earlier, they have a wee little Scottish man. I didn't notice that guy tonight, by the way. Did anyone there Scottish? No, he was pretty quiet. He's... Anyway, it's it's going to be intense. That I will be like a nervous wreck on Monday. So midweek pod, we'll see how how that went. All right. Well, hopefully it goes well. Best of luck. We'll talk about it. ESP. It's on ESPN Plus too for our listeners. So if you have an ESPN Plus account, you can watch it. And listeners, as always, we love it when we hear from you in uh, the comments on whether it's Twitter or directly in the podcast program that you use let us know who you are where you live what you think and what we can do better to make you as our cherished listeners happier yes thank you chris which actually reminds me i looked up so if you want to reach us by email st press at gmail.com or at stl city press on twitter let us know if we could do anything better or if we could do something worse that you might like you know we're yeah, whatever you want. Either way, either way, just let us know. Still looking for our Singapore listener. All right. Well, it's happy to finish out another win post pod. Hopefully, we can keep this streak going. Woo! I'll talk to you guys at the midweek. Thanks, boys. See you guys later. Have a good one. Hello and welcome to St. Louis City Press, an international friendly. I'm Phil Halley. Joining me to talk about the win over Vancouver is our man from Hanoi, Chris Hoff. Still in Hanoi, still enjoying watching these games and talking about them with you guys. And there at the stadium with me, Nathan Halley. Hello. Corrections and omissions. I previously said I was going to be in Minnesota. That didn't happen. I was at the game instead. Thanks to Drew for the tickets, I think it turns out. It was weird not having Patrick and Elaine there. Yeah, that was a first. Um, but they were replaced by a, I think they were a couple. The dude was very tall and kept high-fiving me every time they scored. Never spoke to me, just high-fived me. So it kind of felt like... Basically Patrick. Could have been. Yeah. 
Exactly. It, it wasn't as good, but it was, it filled the void enough. Didn't stand during every set piece. So that's the difference. Yeah. I thought about explaining that to him, but it was going to be their only time there. Another first, as well as Patrick not going to the game. We got a score projection, right? Guys, Chris Hoff, congratulations. That's right. I've been I've been putting in the hours, been parsing the advanced statistics, and it's really paid off here. 3-1. You knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. May have been All my right. score prediction for the last like month of games, but <laughs> finally paid off. What did you think about the game on the TV? Well, as I mentioned in the Discord chat, I became uncomfortable with the level of bias that I thought the commentators were showing uh, in sort of a pro-Vancouver dialogue that they continued to have. They just kept talking and saying nice things about Vancouver, which, you know, fine, but like it's got to be close to 50-50. This was like 70-30 complimenting Vancouver's coach, complimenting their lineups, complimenting their underlying statistics, complimenting how they were uh, controlling moments of the game, even though they lost 3-1. Come on, guys. Did they compliment their complete inability to finish just very good scoring chances? I think they did at some point. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> great technique there or something. I don't know. There were a number of, uh, you know, that they should have scored. There was the one, like, breakaway on Berkey. They had a shot. There were a couple where I thought... Becker, I guess it is, who is apparently a SLU graduate, number 29, um, should have been able to finish, but didn't, which is great for us. Um, they showed just a lack of ability to convert, which we benefited from. The commentators really liked Becker. I can tell you that. That makes no sense. He had, okay, maybe I don't know enough about soccer, but he had a bunch of chances and couldn't do anything with them. I would like to say this about Max Bredos, who was one of the commentators. I think his name might be Maximiliano Bretos because that's what he goes by on his social media, which is a little much. But so, okay, we are spoiled for soccer watching. I mean, this is a story, but it's going to it's gonna come together. We are spoiled for soccer watching opportunities. I watched like six hours of soccer today. German soccer, English soccer, MLS soccer. Back when I started watching in like 1999, and this is how I became a Sheffield Wednesday fan. There was one show on Fox Sports Net, and it was called the English Premier League Show, and it was like a an hour show, and they'd show the first half would be a thirty minute condensed clip, like you'd get thirty minutes of a game, and then you'd get less of the less important games. And the first time I watched that with with Dad was because there was a Sheffield Wednesday game. This was the last season they were in the Premier League and dad knew people in Sheffield. We watched this game and I, you know, fell for it. And dad and I watched that show all the time. And it was hosted by this guy, Lionel Bienvenue, who I loved and still has like a cult following among soccer fans from 23 years ago. He left and re was replaced by Max Bredos, who sucked. And I haven't liked him ever since then. So it feels good in a way, 24 years later, to have this validation that I was right, that he's just a just a bad commentator. So thank you, Chris. Chris, you just vind vindication. Yes. I'm glad to give you this opportunity uh, to release these emotions. <laughs> Maybe somebody else should watch the the replay just to confirm this. It might all be in my head. I just want to pose that. I'll talk, to, I'll talk to Helen, noted soccer watcher. Helen was also watching from away. I think it's important for people in a little bit of behind the scenes that in the stadium, uh, we don't we can get caught up in emotions. You, you can on TV also, but we basically rely on Chris to be our arbiter of like fouls, penalties, announcers also. So we we trust you implicitly. We the cards were flying that game. How many? Well, do we have a final count? There were a lot. I believe that ref on average gives five point five a game. Four for City, three for Vancouver. But those three uh, came late in the game, I think. Uh, there were a couple of them handed out for confronting the ref in that one. Yeah, <laughs> two, the, two, I think, right there. I did love that. And they might they might get penalized further uh, once the referee arbitration committee or whatever it is looks at the the surrounding of the referee, just like happened in the previous 
match. Yeah, they really don't like that. They don't like that. I want to see if Parker actually, presumably Parker did actually clip the guy. I went back and watched that. Yeah, he got him. A yellow card, maybe. I don't know. Probably. You said this in Discord, Chris, and I think very astute. Stroud's yellow is just dumb. You're sitting on four, and then you just boot the ball after the whistle. Uh, he, he's been better lately, and that was a little bit of called old Stroud. Well, it was clear like the ref was not going to hold back from giving, you know, he had already given a card for time wasting at that point, maybe. I don't, yeah. I don't remember the sequence, but. My Blom received a time wasting yellow. Oh, is that what his yellow yeah. was for? I, I missed yeah. that. According to the commentators. So they do serve a purpose and they, they are useful in their own special moments, I suppose. How was the energy coming across on the the TV? Because in the stadium, there was a long period where I would say it was the mo- most low energy or I guess least high energy, least energy game that we've had so far. It was really weird. Like the crowd wasn't into it. Until maybe like the last five minutes when uh, yeah. just, I think the supporters finally, I don't exactly know what triggered it, but finally like the stadium got into it, but it wasn't it was until odd. then. It was weird. Do we think it's because Patrick and Drew weren't there? Uh, you know, could be. Did that come across on the TV? Yeah, I guess a little bit in the first half, especially. It did seem intensely loud around the time of that third goal. Absolutely. At that point, yeah. A crazy third goal. Can we talk about that third goal? We can go in reverse order. Yes, let's spend the rest of the podcast talking about that third goal. Ostrock, man. I don't, I don't know why he doesn't get more minutes, actually. It's just a loaded position, isn't it? You can't really see him starting over. Indy, he can't start over Indy. Uh, he probably doesn't start over Alm when Alm's fit. Uh, and it's that sort of right forward attacking player. He's played well in a more central role. Um, I, you know, I, I see him as another one of those, you know, late game rotation options, starter sometime when necessary for that front four, you know, uh, the wing midfield combo getting returns. Yeah, and, you know, I think Carnell was going with what worked for him last week. We had the same formation two weeks in a row, I think, for the first time ever, including Hebert on the back left, which was interesting. We can talk about that. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Ostrock for Celio or Stroud seems like something you would consider. And it's worked two weeks in a row, right? Ostrock got, on, got an assist last week, too. Yeah. So Ostrock worked really hard and then just a beautiful finish by... By Perez, super, super happy for him. I think that was the loudest the stadium has ever been. I mean, it was, yeah, it was insane, rightfully so. Homegrown kid, graduated from high school like two days ago. Oh man, I guess all three goals came as a result of Leuven putting some pressure on them, just <laughs> putting some pressure on them, defensive and or goalie breakdown on their part, and then us capitalizing. Like that's all three of the goals, I guess. Yeah, Leuven had a hell of a night. Yeah, um, the goalie probably should have been able to hold on to that. The, de- I mean, the defense also should have been back there and not let Ostrock make that run in. But you know, we take advantage. Yeah, Chris, what are your thoughts on that first goal? Should the goalie have caught that? It was tough. He was off of his line, and I think if he like, I don't think the thought occurred to him that 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 was one of the options on the board, uh, but. The way that the amount of curve, the swerve on that, and the fact that it was left to right across the frame of the goal, went beyond the frame of the goal, was super high. He just like the keeper had no like line of sight really to really judge the fluctuations of that ball. I think he got caught off his line and I think he makes a better play on it, maybe saves it if he's a little more thoughtful. But what typically happens is that ball, uh, comes slightly shorter and falls right at the, at the top of the six-yard box there, and somebody ref- deflects it or nicks it on it. The goalkeeper, you could see from his movement, he jumps to the right, thinking he needs to get into the position to uh, you know, stop a headed shot or something, and then it just keeps swerving back in, uh, and it looked beautiful. I, I can't imagine saving that myself, but I, you know, I'd be a little bit more forgiving for him to him than than saying it was a howler of a goalkeeper error. It was beautiful. Yeah, like it's one of those where you would hope Berkey would get it, but yeah, that was just a hell of a kick. I mean, he's he's gone for that a few times. It was just 
incredible. And you could see him over the course of the game get into the mind of that keeper. And yeah, the last one, you know, the third goal, we were lined up. He had four or five players lined up behind him on the field <laughs> for the set piece. Like we were not pushing and he just went at the goalie with it you know it was clear that was what he was going to do there was no other option and he did it and the goalie bobbled it and resulted in the goal he's got a shot he's got a a nice free kick on him yeah so the own goal i was texting a friend of mine who said i felt bad he said no you don't feel bad in this situation that was another case where i think leuven forced a bad play by that defender like that was a quick little uh, cross and Stroud was there running. So he forced it. I mean, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I mean, it was pretty like, bad. It was among the worst stone goals I've seen. If the defender had just let that go, they were not in danger. Stroud yeah. was not that close. No, right. It wasn't, it wasn't going to become a goal. I think they were thrown off by it. The goalie was poorly positioned. Like there were a lot of things that went wrong there. Yeah. yeah, both are both both are culpable. The defender, then rightly the commented commentators called him out and said, "You cannot be putting that on frame." Yeah. Whenever you're passing back, especially if it's in a case like this where it's coming through the air and and you're heading it, you can't put it on frame because that's what happens. You don't. You're not looking behind you. You don't know where the goalkeeper is. You just you got to be careful. We'll take it. Yeah, and we'll take all of them that they want to give us. There was a Vancouver goal, you know, across in. They had a lot of opportunities, frankly. Not, not great finishing. No. So I'd like to talk about someone. I think you know who I'm going to bring up here. I thought, okay, I actually want to talk about two people. But I thought Nico did not play well tonight. And I thought Celio also did not play well tonight. Like 10 minutes in or something, there was just... Uh, I want to know the XG on that chance that Nico, you know, right in front of the net got crossed in. He should have been able to put that away. Yeah. That's not even my biggest problem with him, though. He was just going down left and right. There was one time where he went down and stayed down when we had like a four man attack that could have been a five man attack. And it was it's frustrating. He he never gets the call. And you'd would think <laughs> that he stop. would then change what he's doing. Yeah, because there was one time actually where he kind of got bumped in the box that he, he wouldn't have gotten. He stayed call, up. He stayed up. <laughs> exactly. That would be the time to go down. In the box. Yeah. No, I said the same thing. I'm like, of all the times to stay up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He also is not, we've brought this up before. He is not a fast man. <laughs> it feels like there are like eight balls a game where if he had a little bit quicker first step, he'd get to them. I don't know. Chris, how did he look on the TV? The team, Carnell must see something in him that we don't. And I'm, you know, it makes me doubt myself. He sees the rest of the roster and knows that he has no one else. Uh, there's more to that. Uh, so that shot was point, roughly 18% chance to score that, that shot. Uh, so point right. one it's not as much as I thought. But that's pretty high. Yeah. Now in this last game in this game, last game maybe more so than this game, Nico was manipulating the defense and opening the space for other players to run through. Uh, so I'm going to give him, you know, like a, a pretty good, a B, a B, maybe a B. Wow. De- definitely not a B plus, but you know, a B minus B. He, there was one early on where he ran through and he took three defenders with him. And then I think Celio cut it back to, Someone, I can't remember exactly what happened. And because Nico had made that run, which is what I was hoping that he would start to do when Klaus went out, uh, was just sort of draw people away for the late arriving midfielders to, to get the shots. He's, he's doing that more consistently. I appreciate that insight. He's going down. He's going down a lot. He's getting fouled a lot. A lot of these are small things, but they add up and they aggregate. I wish he, you know... Maybe I just wish he had a, a slightly lower center of gravity. He was a little bit, uh, you know, bigger and stronger, and he could battle through these. And I, I wish he had the, you know, the disposition to to not go down more often. Uh, but I don't know. It's hard because it, 
you know, I think the refs just see it right away and then just don't give him calls even when they are legit. Yeah. Especially this ref. You know, he was not inclined to give much when he thought it was embellished. But really, if he can take pressure and move defenders around and release Vasilev and, as we saw, give Lowen some some free reign, uh, then he's doing his job, especially while Klaus is out. If he can get on the score sheet and he can do these combo plays, the one where he missed that was 18% chance to score, that was a great buildup. And him even being in that position uh, is credit to him. I, You know, you want him to score. And I guess roughly four out of five times you're going to miss anyway, though. So I appreciate that perspective. I will start to watch for the play, his play off the ball and drawing defenders. I think I'm, you know, I'm primarily only looking at him when he is getting the scoring chances. That would be something that if I believed in watching replays, I could definitely go and check out. Yeah. There's definitely room to grow in that respect for him. I would say he's not doing it every time as well as you might like. And sometimes I think he just gets a, I mean, he's played a lot of football and he's gotten banged up and I hope he can stay healthy because playing that way and being the, the target of aggression for, you know, these defenders, these professional athletes who are massive, strong, and just kicking at your ankles and you're going up in the air and then you're coming down. He came down on his shoulder that one time. It wears on you. I can only imagine. So from the last pod, Chris, you made, rightfully so, you made a big deal about calling out Hebert on the left. And and so I was looking for that this game. And because I was looking for it, I just saw a number of times where there was like an obvious touch to make where he could have, you know, crossed it with his left foot and you see him <laughs> hesitate and like take an extra to try to get it on his right foot. It was interesting. Absolutely. There was one where he, he got the ball right at the edge of the box. And if he were any other player, he would have just laced it and, and put a shot on, but he just did not think of doing that. Maybe it was on his wrong foot, you know, and he just couldn't comprehend of the possibility of shooting in that moment. So. I think that left back experiment will end with that game for him. I think it was okay. Well, we're not going to mess up anything because it was going good from the previous game, but I think he'll be back in his standard position next game. Well, it ended with a substitution. They substituted Nelson on and put him in at left back and rotated Hebert over. I read something online that like when those substitutions were going on, we, we went to like a three, four, three. It felt like we went to like a five, four, one Blom was like, basically playing as a defender at the end there. I mean, there were a lot of times he was actually the last guy back. You know, he dropped back and then we had, you know, we substituted Perez for Celio and Perez was playing, you know, very midfield. We were just playing far back, trying to protect the lead. Maybe that's the right move. It didn't look like we did a great job of it, frankly, but I guess the results count. You know, I think John Bell probably has uh, a claim to uh, best aerial duels one rate per 90 minutes at this point we love our per 90 minutes stats <laughs> definitely definitely those are super accurate but so just as an aside i've got the seattle uh game on they're winning one nothing but they're playing a man down so it's seattle against uh new york red bulls who are another red team and seattle's in their green jerseys i can't tell these teams apart to save my life this is they gotta stop doing this sorry about that that uh, we'll we'll write another letter or strongly worded email. But did you know that Jared Stroud's brother, Peter Stroud, starts for the New York Red Bulls and they look almost exactly the same? No, oh. I had no clue. It's no. brilliant. That's delightful. Do you know if the uh, Burhalter on Vancouver is Greg Burhalter's son? I assumed. Okay. I, like, I instantly had like a mild dislike for him. But <laughs> yeah, totally get that. One one nice thing about the game, completely nothing to do with soccer, but I thought the stadium did a really nice job of the whole crowd singing Oh Canada. It was nice. Really good anthem singer this week. Super professional. Oh Just, yeah. He was you know. he was great. I would look he could sing me the national anthem to bed every night and I'd be a happy person. There was something else I wanted to say. Oh, Celio. There was a giant fire. There was a giant fire in the background of the game and then the smoke rolled into the stadium. I don't know if you could pick that up on the cameras or if they commented at all. There was a giant fire downtown, and then towards the end of the game, the smoke rolled into the stadium. It was unpleasant. It was hard to see actually from the the upper decks, and it was. I imagine if you had like allergies or asthma, it would have been a problem. 
It was it was something else. Uh, loot. Oh, I remember. I was going to say loot rescued a bird. Oh yeah, Aww. he did. Which is you know knowing his history. That's on brand. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It was just like a nothing. Not a special bird. Not a an egret or anything. That again flying over. Did he take it home afterward? It would be interesting to know what happened to the bird. I I don't know. Maybe we don't want to know. <laughs> he posted a picture of himself on Twitter with the bird. <laughs> like on the like on the practice field. So I don't something happened. Um maybe Lutz has a pet songbird now. Okay. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to keep watch on on this. Um, speaking of bird related things, Owl Four City uh repost the their this weird Twitter account reposted my my tattoo of the city logo where they had changed it so it had an owl instead of the the arch and river logo. If anyone is familiar with St. Louis City and not familiar with the Owl for City Twitter account, you're you're missing out. If you like owls, which I do, you like St. Louis soccer, which I do. But it's just so weird. It is, but in a good way. So they they reposted a picture of my back with the owl, and I said, "Oh, you guys are going to love this." And then I showed a picture of my arm, which has an owl tattoo on it, which then they reposted that owl holding a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so, you know, I don't understand that, um, but I may go get. If a we can make a connection here somehow and get the owl, the person behind the owl for city, owl account for city in for an Twitter interview. account holders, please contact us. Let's let's make a relationship of some kind. Also looking for sponsors. New sponsor Owl for City. We'll sponsor Owl for City. I'll throw some money at them. I mean, I mean, let's be careful. <laughs> you know, we don't have a lot of income quality. coming in on this podcast yet. I mean, right. unless you're seeing something, I'm not. No, a lot of money going out <laughs> towards so, the stadium. Yeah, and and the podcast software we're using, which is terrible, and yet we've spent a non-trivial amount of money on it. So, new podcast sponsor Zencaster. Definitely not a sponsor. Definitely not a sponsor. Um, Any other thoughts? I thought it was a super weird game. Like, we won, and so I'm going to be Drew and be like, yay, we won. But it just, I feel like it was our weirdest game of the season. I don't understand. Do we have, I hate to bring it up, do we have the XG? Oh. Yeah, Yeah, 0.94, 1.2 against. Yeah, I mean, that tracks in my mind. But we've been overperforming our XG all season. And part of this overperformance is the quality of the finishing. It's the, uh, the press is breaking the XG metric. Uh, This high intensity. My theory is that it just, it stresses them out. So it's like a mental and psychological warfare that we're employing as well. And XG obviously can't track that. No, I think their goalie was mentally broken after the night. I mean, yeah, I also, I was wondering that, Chris, that I'm, I'm a big believer in advanced statistics, soccer advanced statistics. Like for baseball, it's such like a defined set of things that can happen at any one time. It feels easy to break down into statistics. Soccer is a lot harder. Um, and XG, like on the surface, I like it. But then like, is it is there something about our game that just doesn't fit in? And so it, it's not accurately tracking because at this point, I mean, it's still a smallish sample size, but. You know, we're approaching halfway through the season and it doesn't seem to be accurately um, predicted. So, okay. okay. We've never really me, gotten into it. But. One more. No, no, no. I want to say one more thing. So I looked it up for Sheffield Wednesday. That's actually how we got on footystats.org. And it way closer tracked what their actual scores were over the course of the season than it's tracking our scores. So XG is meant to capture over a large sample size of shots taken from that position, how many go in. So it is absolutely a thing where like I would expect, I don't know, we could look this up based on what we saw tonight. I would expect that Vancouver would consistently underperform their XG. And that's meaningful in that that means they are not as good at converting their chances. And we put pressure on teams in a way that forces mistakes. And that's not going to be reflected in XG, but it will be reflected in goals and batting average on balls in play. I look, I'm learning about soccer. You're not going to get me to learn about baseball. (laughs) 
I so there was one other thing I was I read. What it reminded me of is all those doofuses early in the season who said that we'd be lucky to win four games. And I don't think anyone's thinking that about us anymore. Like no one's thinking about us really as an expansion team or anything other than a team that can compete with anyone and has talented players and is a good team. Uh, it's it's amazing that, you know, three months later, no one's thinking about that stuff anymore. It's just like, oh, this is a this is a team you have to worry about. And you don't want to mess with. I love that. And that's why Lutz is getting offers from West Ham. He's drawing interest and it comes from his talent identification and his you know, ability to take players and make sure they're a perfect match for the coach and the system and motivate them to excel. And I don't think anybody had Edward Leuven pegged as this caliber of player. And I don't think uh, in their previous situations, either Indy Vasilev or Vasilev was on, no, he was traded for like cash, right? I mean, yeah. Or was he one of the, and Norwinsky was unprotected. Like we got yeah. several guys that were unprotected. Yeah. It's just really good scouting. There was an interview with Klaus that was published this week and it was interesting in that basically he just had a long history with Lutz that when Lutz made the call, like, Hey, come to St. Louis, Klaus was just, all right, I'm in immediately based on the relationship with Lutz. That's awesome. I have to believe there was legitimate interest from West Ham. Some people questioned like how serious it was. I, I think it was probably pretty serious. I, I imagine offers like that will continue to come his way. And I think, we're seeing about it tonight, actually, in regards to to Blom specifically. But you have to imagine some of these players are already getting attention from primarily sides in Europe that might want to bring them over. I sadly, this is sort of the downside of being an MLS fan is that really good players are going to get swooped yeah. up and go go to Europe. So I guess we just enjoy them while we've got them. Well, I'll tell you what I like it as an expansion team, as the first crop of players that played for our city, I'm always going to love all of these guys and track their careers wherever they go. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. These, these guys always be special for us. And one of my like personal, you know, desires related to this squad is to see Indy Vasilev get a national team call up at a senior level and see him in an international fixture. That would be, Wonderful. I talked a lot last week about that Blom Leuven Vasilev core. Um, it wasn't as in control tonight. I don't know if Vancouver was just better at clogging up the midfield or shutting us down, but well, they were skipping the midfield a lot. Is is what was happening? Yeah, this, yeah. this guy, what was his name? Julian Gressel was the bane of our existence. Really, mm. his crossing. And the accuracy, it's what led to the goal. And he was just, I don't know, stressing me out. Good player. Yeah. I felt the same way, but there were like also probably 15 times where Blom had an amazing play. That guy's really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. So good. Yeah, defensively, we had actually a lot of, I think, impressive defensive moments where we had a couple just terrifying Parker mistakes. Um, uncharacteristic or maybe characteristic at this point for him to just occasionally do something terrible that scares the crap out of you. But a lot of our defense cleaning up. Got super lucky at the end of the first half too. That, that should have been a goal. Yeah. Back to Blom statistical support for our claims here. Uh, Not only did he have one key pass in the buildup, but he led the entire game in tackles with three and uh, he won 13 of his duels, which I guess is good for 66%, which is the best in the game. Well, and this ref was not letting any even slightly sloppy tackles go and Blom was making them clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's pin perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be drawing attention from Europe. And I think that was like expected when we signed him, wasn't it? Like this I, is like I a springboard so. to real top tier uh, minutes at a, a meaningful European club. Yeah. Well, enjoy it while he's here. Yeah. 
3-1, another win. We go into Houston next week. I think uh, they at come City to, Park. They, they Sorry. come to us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where are we in the standings? Let's see. Top of the division, but with uh, no Seattle won. So we are oh, okay. We're second, but we got two games in hand over Seattle. Well, in LAFC, we I have think three we have, games in hand. So. Yeah. So still, we're doing good. Yep. Got to be happy with these last two wins for sure. Tied for third in the Sporting Shield. So feels good to be back on track. Didn't like that period where we weren't scoring or winning. Last two weeks have been better. Yeah. Hopefully we keep it going. Now we just have to get through Monday, guys. I might not be able to breathe until you want to. Let's go. I mean, I watched the Coventry Luton Town, which I guess is maybe actually even higher stakes. I guess it it is. I think it is the literal highest stakes uh, soccer game in existence. And it came down to I can't even get into it. Like one person, a penalty is too much. It shouldn't Uh be allowed. Just like. Geneva conventions. It's too much. <laughs> that guy costs his team $200 million. I, I, no person should be able, anyway. Yeah. That'll be me on Monday. All right. Go Sheffield Wednesday. Go owls up the owls. Um, anything you want to say ahead of that game? Your <sighs> score prediction uh, for nothing. Sheffield Wednesday. All right. Nice. They're going to come out. They're just going to steamroll. I play this game in my head a lot, actually wondering like Sheffield Wednesday versus St. Louis city. I think they're teams of similar talent, very different styles. Sheffield Wednesday, much more free-flowing, attacking. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, they have a wee little Scottish man. I didn't notice that guy tonight, by the way. Did anyone there Scottish? No, he was pretty quiet. He's yeah. anyway, it's it's gonna be intense. That I will be like a nervous wreck on Monday. So midweek pod, we'll see how, how that went. All right. Well, hopefully it goes well. Best of luck. We'll talk about it. ESP, it's on ESPN Plus, too, for our listeners. So if you have an ESPN Plus account, you can watch it. And listeners, as always, we love it when we hear from you in uh, the comments on whether it's Twitter or directly in the podcast program that you use. Let us know who you are, where you live, what you think, and what we can do better to make you as our cherished listeners happier. Yes, thank you, Chris, which actually reminds me, I looked up. So if you want to reach us by email, stlewiscitypress at gmail.com or at stlcitypress on Twitter. Let us know if we could do anything better or if we could do something worse that you might like. You know, we're yeah, whatever you want. Either way, either way, just let us know. Still looking for our Singapore listener. All right. Well, it's happy to finish out another win post pod. Hopefully we can keep this streak going. Woo! I'll talk to you guys at the midweek. Thanks boys. See you guys later.